You are listening to a Bucking Spurs podcast. Everything San Antonio Spurs basketball. You can find it all at eavesdropstudios.com. Thank you for listening. Merry effing Christmas. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. I hope you guys have enjoyed your holidays, spending time with the family. We've gotten some basketball in the midst of all this. We've had some ups. We've had a little bit of downs. A couple big punches to the gut. But we're still fighting. We're still pulling through. There's still, you know, some green on the horizon. Right? There's a little silver lining to this season. We're hanging in there at the seventh spot. We're doing okay. We've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> talk about Steven Jackson being better than Manu. I know you guys know where I stand, but it might surprise you. I think your my take on Steven Jackson might surprise you. But we're going to talk about a lot of things Spurs basketball for this Christmas episode. So stay tuned, baby. Go Spurs, go. That's right. There's a lot to talk about, guys, right off the bat. I want to talk a little bit about Steven Jackson. Very hot take. You know, him saying that he's better than Manu. He said that he's better than Manu, hands down. And everybody's all going crazy. Everybody's like, what's the matter with this guy? He's on ESPN now, so he has to say this crazy stuff? No, no. I I, I genuinely believe... That Steven Jackson believes that he's better than Manu Ginobili. I do. I believe that. Guys, we have to understand Steven Jackson before we can judge Steven Jackson. Now, I'll never forget. I'm not one of those fans that just forgets what a player has done for us and just tosses him out to the wind. You know, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Like I am about George Hill. Like I loved what George Hill brought to our team, but I'll tell you what he didn't bring to our team. Wins. Playoff wins. He uh, actually, every, as soon as we got rid of George Hill, you know, he's we, we started turning the corner. But I love George Hill. I love what he did with the community. I love him as a basketball player. I think he was very entertaining. I think he's a hell of a player. And and obviously, you know, he's one of those um, homegrown kids that that we love. That he's he's a spur for life. And and I agree full heartedly with that. Um, but I'll be honest. So Steven Jackson helped us win that ring in 03. Let's not deny he threw a couple daggers in those playoff rounds. Big daggers. And and he was a big part of us winning. 
and I know he's had some, you know, statements before talking about, you know, the reason why they lost that second time around when Steven Jackson was with us was because of he blamed he put the blame on Tony Parker and you know being selfish and didn't want to pass him the ball because if Tony Parker would have passed him the ball, we would have won against OKC according to Steven Jackson. But I get it, I get it. You know, he's one of those guys. Look, Steven Jackson, stack five. That's his rapper, his rapper name, Stack Five, and he's not bad. He's not bad. He's killing it in the big three right now. I want to give him all his props before I, you know, I, I start giving my my take on this. And I appreciate what he's done. I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's a cool motherfucker. I think he's a cool cat. Um, I know when I was living in San Antonio, when he was playing there, that second go about around 2013, 14 ish. Um. He was. I see. We saw him out at the strip club a few times. Me and my friends. We saw him out at, at certain clubs. You know, he, he he was part of the nightlife in San Antonio. I love I love Stack Five. I love him. Matter of fact, matter of fact, the year that we traded him for Richard Jefferson, um, I had an interview with um, Project Spurs writer Michael DeLeon, um, or former. I'm not sure if he's there now, but ProjectSpurs.com is a great Spurs website fan site. If y'all uh, don't know about it. And I sat down with him and, and, and we were doing like a college interview. Um, I was interviewing him on how he got started and whatnot. Anyways, I told him, look, Michael, I know this is going to sound crazy. I know this is going to sound crazy. But we need to trade Richard Jefferson, man. He's not going to help us. He's not going to help us get to where we need to go. And he's like, well, who would you trade for him? And I said, well, I would trade him for Steven Jackson, to be honest. I think I forgot where Steven Jackson was at the time, um, who he was playing for, but I said Steven Jackson. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He goes, I don't know. I don't think Pop, you know, wants to handle all that nonsense, that the drama that comes with Steven Jackson. I said, No, Steven Jackson's a killer. He's tough. And if we're gonna get to the third round to the Western Conference Finals, we need that tough guy. We need that Ron Artest. We need that um, you know, Ben Wallace, if you will, you know, every team has that bad boy, that Draymond Green, every championship team has that, and I saw that in Steven Jackson, and two months later, I shit you not, R.C. Buford pulled the trade, Richard Jefferson for Steven Jackson, called that, so if that's, a, you know, any indication of where my mind is, my finger is on the pulse of this team and this squad, I, I knew where Michael was coming from, saying that Steven Jackson was not Spurs basketball anymore. You know, we're, we're a certain class. But, you know, I, I knew that. I understand that. But I also understand the game. I also understand what it's going to take to get to where we want to go. You know, and honestly, I knew Steven Jackson was going to help us. So, anyways, I know that it's been a long time since then. Steven Jackson obviously left the team on uh, not that great of terms. Um, he's been very honest about what he thinks about the Spurs organization. He says it's the Spurs Mafia, and the Spurs Mafia is a real thing. It's not just a rumor or a joke around the league. The Spurs Mafia is real. They run deep, and Pop is the Don. Pop is the Don that makes all the moves, and his head guys um, were the big three, and Tim, Tony, and Manu, and they ran shit, and you do not go against the grain, or else you're out. Whatever Pop wants, they were going to execute. And he kind of says it like if it's a bad thing. And I kind of think we all, anyone that that has that type of respect for any organization in the NBA that has that integrity knows that that's a boss move. It's a boss move to actually have someone as gangster as Stack 5 call the Spurs, the real white collar 
you know, or blue collar, whatever, you know, just real boring class of basketball, boring organization, small market, whatever. And you have we have a gangster stack five calling us the Spurs Mafia saying that it's real. Yeah, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. We we, we run a very, very uh, close to the chest organization over here. And um, so let's get into what he said, what he just said. I'm better than Manu. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind about me being better than Manu, whatever, whatever he said. Um, I truly believe, I truly believe that in his mind, he thinks that's true. I think he thinks that he can beat Manu one-on-one or, you know, he's better than Manu. I'm pretty sure he thinks he's better than Clay Thompson. I'm pretty sure he thinks he's um, just as good, if not better, than Kobe Bryant. I think that um, he can teach. J- he thinks that he can teach James Harden a few things, and Demar Derozan can't even hold a candle to him. You know, I, I he's that type of player. So when he says this, I don't think he's just trying to make headlines. I think I think he believes it. You know, <laughs> and that's and that's okay. That's okay with me because. He can say that. I think we all understand. You know, some people have said, oh, man, that guy's a loser. That guy's a loser. If he's talking smack about anyone uh, that has, you know, four championship rings, like Manu, um, the guy's obviously a loser. I'm like, no, that guy's not a loser. He's just, he's got that mentality that it's him against the world, and he's always going to put himself before a competitor, even if it's Manu Ginobili, which is crazy and obviously ridiculous. Is he better than Manu? No way. No way. I don't think there is one area of basketball that he is better in Manu at than Manu. You know, he's not a better shooter. He's not a better passer. He's not a better scorer. He's not a better defender. Um, he's not a better um, playmaker. He's not a better teammate. He's not a better. Um, I don't know what else. What else is a rebounder? I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's a better rebounder. I don't know. Maybe. Um, does he have more wins? No. Does he have more championships? No. Does he have more playoff wins? No. Does he have more suspensions? Yes. Does he have more technicals? Yes. And and that's not a knock on Steven Jackson. I love Steven Jackson for what he is. I, I, I love Stack 5. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I, I that's my guy. That's my guy. I love Steven Jackson. I, I I understand that he comes from a place where if he doesn't put himself before the next person, he doesn't get to where he's been. But he's not better than Manu. That's some nonsense. I think we all know that. Manu is a first ballot Hall of Famer in this game. Um, he's, he's he, you know, to me, I've said it a bunch of times. He's the third best shooting guard to ever play this game behind Jordan, Kobe, and Manu. All right? Those, those, are, those are my top three shooting guards. I'll, I wouldn't put anyone else before whoever comes in the future or from the past before those top three those three guys championship pedigree mamba mentality and just a dominant dominant player on the court manu manu changes the game he changes the game when he's on the floor not many players can change the game when they step on the floor like oh it's not like oh manu's here we got to watch out he's a shooter no manu reconstructs breaks down whatever what was on the floor before he got out there and rebuilds something new something beautiful the beautiful game when he's on the floor he's a gold medalist all right so you know 
that's my take on the whole Steven Jackson thing. I think us Spurs fans, we got to lay off of him a little bit. Let's not call him crazy. He's always going to be a Spur, at least in my heart. I mean, I mean, he 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 was he was a young buck when he was with us and and he showed that he belongs in this league and I appreciate him helping us win that title in 03, just like I appreciate other players that have helped us win titles that are no longer with the Spurs. <clears throat> yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break. Let's talk about December. This Christmas month, this month of holiday season, this month of giving, this month of, you know, celebration. Is there something to celebrate on the Spurs side of basketball, you know, in Spurs land? I think there is. You know, we we went so far. This is a Christmas recording Christmas Eve. You will hear this on Christmas Day. Um, it's we've gone eight and four so far in this month. <coughs> Which isn't bad. It's actually a lot better than what we've, well, you know, our month in November. We talked a lot about being inconsistent. We talked a lot about inconsistency going to be the death of us, meaning that we sometimes, and I think primarily we're talking about the defensive side of the ball. You know, sometimes we're giving up, you know, 120 points a game. Sometimes we're giving up 80 some points a game. And sometimes we're giving up 100 points a game. It's, it's, and, and and to teams that we can control, you know, that we should be able to control. Um, so let's look at December. You know, we're 8-4. We're and four. Uh, Our four losses have come from Houston, right, as of recent. Chicago, that was the big panic button that everybody just started, you know, getting all in a frenzy about. And then to the Lakers and Utah. And the Lakers and Utah, we had, you know, we played them right after we we uh we lost to them and then we won so we went fi- we went one and one with those two um this month you know so the big the big loss this month that everybody was like holy shit they lost to chicago chicago sucks chicago is one of the worst teams in the nba this is true we did we did lose to them but let's not get it twisted we were kind of on a up on a on a we were trending upwards we we're doing good we we're doing good so far in December, right? <clears throat> we beat the Clippers. It's a tough team. We uh, we beat Utah and the Lakers after losing to them. Okay, so we bounced back. We beat uh, Portland, right? Those are all tough games. And then we go ahead and drop one to the Bulls, and everybody panics. And you know what? It was just one of those games. It was just one of those games, guys, where, where we didn't come out to play, and they did. Is this loss going to come back and hurt us? When it comes to playoff time, it very, very well can. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised that this loss, you know, was the one that we're going to think about when we are either out of the playoffs or barely squeaking by one game. We're like, oh, if we can just get that, you know, Chicago game back. But let's talk. Let's not take anything away from Chicago. That night they balled out. And, and that's just, you know, that's what it is. But right after that, what do we do? We go we go uh, up against Philly. And we take care of Philly, like, 123-96. to 96. It wasn't even a contest. It wasn't even a contest that night. We won 123-96 to 96 against Philadelphia. That's a good team. Are they better than the Bulls? Yeah. Rudy Gay dropped 21 points. 
you know, that was a big win. And then we go and uh, we have a game up against uh, Orlando. Orlando, I think they gave us trouble in the beginning of the season, yeah? Again, we handled that team 129 to 90. Guys, we're, for one, let's see. Let me go back. Let me count these. I'm going to count how many games in a row we held teams to under 100 points. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven games in a row. Up until Houston on December 22nd, just a few nights ago, did we were on a seven-game streak of holding players under 100 points, which is huge. That's big time in this league, especially with this rush shot clock. You know, holding teams to under 100 points is not something that every team is setting out to do. It's not a goal on their whiteboard before they go out every night and go play basketball. Is let's hold each team to 100 points. No, because it's just it's it's very hard to do. It's not realistic. It's not you know. But <clears throat> that's something that we had a lot of trouble doing throughout the season. We can go we can go back just a month. You know, just a month before that, we're giving up 136 points, 107, 135, 100, 104 to Memphis, 140 to New Orleans, you know, so we've been giving up a lot of points, but so far in this month, we have done a fantastic job on that defensive end, and what has it led to? It's led to some big wins for us against Philadelphia, against Minnesota, right, against Utah, you know, against the Clippers, you know, so like the Clippers are one of the better teams in the West right now, let's not, let's not just call them the Clippers like, oh, and just get it out of our mind, like that's just some whack team, no, they're playing really good, they're playing really good right now, so, you know, against, against Utah, Utah, oh man, Utah, I, Utah is one I did not see coming, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with Utah, but can somebody please get at me on Instagram at a Bucking Spurs podcast on why the Jazz are like one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, if you go to my preseason uh, rankings of what my, my pre-playoff, you know, what I thought the playoffs were going to look like for the Western Conference, I had Utah up in there, but I said there also that they're either going to be just as good or they're, or they're going to key on key in on Donovan Mitchell and they're going to be able to handle, you know, the Jazz. And they won't be that good as long as they put their best defender and double team Mitchell, I didn't really think they had anything else. And that's kind of what it looks like, unless I'm wrong. <laughs> we have any Utah Jazz fans out there, get at me. So our defensive consistency has been doing pretty good. And holding a team like the Rockets to 108 points, I don't think that's too shabby either. Um, but we did give up a 40-point quarter to the to the, the Rockets. And I think we're 0-4 uh, this season when we give up a 40 point quarter no matter to what team it is if if we give up one of those quarters we're gonna lose right so i think i got that stat from paul paul garcia paul garcia at paul garcia nba uh follow him on twitter so there are some bright spots you know we we're, we're still hanging in there by a thread um when it comes to the western conference standings we, we we have a lot of work to do, and it's going to be tough. And, and do I see a possibility where we don't get in the playoffs? Let me tell you what this this start that we've had, that we've had it, it scares me. It scares me. It does. Um, there are a lot of other good teams that I, I did not expect to be good, like Memphis, you know, or Sacramento. Like what the hell? Sacramento's good. Sacramento has has 18 wins. Like, all right. 
But then we take a look at the whole Western Conference standings from top to bottom, at least in the playoff picture. You know, Denver sitting at top at the top right now with 21 wins. You know, and then we go down three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, and and actually, we're sitting right now outside of the playoffs. After uh, the loss to Houston, we're sitting in the ninth spot. Houston's in the 17th spot. I knew Houston was going to fall. I knew that. I didn't expect Oklahoma City to be doing what they're doing. Paul George. I might need to get me a Paul George Oklahoma City jersey. I mean, come on. I mean, hey, let's be real. That dude, that's, come on now. Come on now. Y'all are seeing what Paul George is doing, right? Paul George is taking over games, dropping 20-point quarters, big-time quarters. Oh, anyways. Um, but the Spurs are, are hanging outside of the playoff hunt right now. You know, and that's with 18 wins. So the ninth seed and 10th seed, matter of fact, all the way up to the first seed are only four games apart. That's how close it's going to be to the very end. So we have to take care of games like Chicago. We have to beat teams like Phoenix, <coughs> Dallas. You know, um, Dallas isn't playing bad, but, you know, there's teams that we should beat. We have to beat those teams because those are the ones that come back and bite you in the ass when it comes to playoff time, right? So some great news from the Spurs for the past few days have has been that Lonnie Walker is being recalled from the Austin Toros. Hey! That is good news. Yes, it is good news. Is it is it is guys, but keep your, you know, keep it in your pants. Lonnie Walker hasn't done anything in this league yet. And he's shown that he does that the G League is way too easy for him, which usually is a great sign. Same thing like in summer league. If you see, when a player is balling out in summer league, I mean dropping twenty some points a game like Derek White did, like Brent Forbes did two years ago, you just you know that they're ready. They're ready for the NBA. Does that mean that they're going to come in set the league on fire? No. Matter of fact, Lonnie Walker probably won't even play much in the beginning. You know why? Because Marco Bellinelli cannot miss a dang shot if he is doing a backflip <laughs> from half court. Everything he throws just falls in. You know, DeMar DeRozan, let's not forget about DeMar DeRozan, who's averaging about 23 points a game, right? So DeMar DeRozan's going to start. Marco's going to come off the bench for him. Sometimes there'll be um, Patty coming off the bench for him. So so there's not going to be big minutes there for him. Can he earn those minutes? Sure. Let me tell you my dream situation, my dream kind of like what I hope happens with Lonnie Walker. I hope that he comes in and just Balls the hell out and is untouchable and unstoppable and he's impacts games as soon as he steps on the floor. I would love that. I would love him to be in that confidence level coming right out the gate of a Donovan Mitchell last year. To be honest, Spurs fans, to be honest, to be honest, if Lonnie Walker is going to change our trajectory to... Put us from the bottom tier of the playoffs to the mid tier or even top tier of the playoff of the playoff race. That's what we're going to need. We're going to need him to come off the bench and score 15, 20 points. Like just being a lockdown defender, changing the impact of the game. Because like Donovan Mitchell started, the team gave him the reins. We're not going to do that. 
he's going to come in and play our game, play the system and try to find a way where he can excel in our system. You know, I obviously defense has got to be the priority. Let's not forget he needs to stay healthy. He needs to stay healthy. Like like guys, if if we end this season and Lonnie Walker just stays healthy and only averages 3 points a game and one rebound and and, and half an assist, <coughs> I'm taking that as a win because he stayed healthy. All right, he, we've already been out missed, missing him half of the season. Now, in order for us to get some value out of this 18th pick that we had this year, oh man, and DiVincenzo went right before Lonnie Walker. In my mind, I thought we were going to take DiVincenzo, um, but you know that that he he the the Bucks took him, stole him right from underneath us. And who runs the Bucks? Mike Budenholzer, expert. But anyways, Lonnie Walker came in right after him, and I I have no problem with it. I like Lonnie Walker. In college, he was a big-time player, hit big shots. He was clutch. He got to the rim. He's athletic. He shot mid-range well. He shot from the three-ball well in college. But in the league, in the NBA, there is a game played by full-grown men with higher levels of intellect, with higher levels of athleticism, players that have made this their lives that's what separates the league from college basketball okay now he has all the tools to be a great player i've said this before he has the tools he's not a great defender but can he be he has the tools he's fast he's athletic he can change directions well he can leap he he has a a good wingspan Uh, he has all the tools but we need him to stay healthy so let's all pump our brakes about him being recalled. I guarantee you, he's going to be sent back down at some point. Just like Chemezi Mitu has, right? Chemezi got called up as well from the Toros. He's been up, he's been down, he's been up, he's been down. <coughs> that's what we do. A very Spurs fan, you know that. You know that's what we do. We send players up and down. It's no big deal. Um, So let's be patient. Let's be patient with Lonnie Walker and Chemezi Mitu. Chemezi Mitu has done the same thing. Chemezi Mutu has dropped like 22 points, 23 points, 24 points a game in the in the G League, which which is great. That gets me excited for potential. But impact now, this season, pump the brakes. We're going to be okay. I can't wait to see Lonnie Walker on the floor, and I hope he blows me away. I hope he blows us all away. I hope he can just defend and, 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 and have an impact on this game because we're missing DeJounte Murray and, and, and Pau Gasol. And Lonnie Walker, right? And it's just like it's oh, so much. We're missing so many impact players that we're expecting to to help us this season and lead us this season. And and you know it would be good to get one of those pieces back. You know, Paul Gasol. Who knows when he's coming back? I know he's still, he's out of his boot, but um, you know we need Pal. We need Pal. Get over yourself, San Antonio. We're not going all young, athletic rebuild like all in. No, no, we need Paul Gasol on the floor. Um, you know, and DJ, obviously we, we, we miss DJ get well soon, buddy. Um, can't wait to have you back next season. And once we have, a, um, a backcourt with DeJounte Murray, Derek White and Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills, you know, like who guys, it's like pick your poison. What do we want? You know, like, like we have players that can do it all. You know, DeJounte's the, the defending type of guard who can, who can D up and, and hit shots and, and, uh, facilitate and you have Derek White who's a playmaker shooter and then you have Brent Forbes who's like that that um reincarnation of Patty Mills you know it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun um 
But let's uh let's I can't wait to see Lonnie. I hope he comes in and just sets it on fire. Um, but let's be realistic and let's just hope that he stays healthy. After Christmas, we have two games back. No wait, they are not back to back, but we have two games. One on Wednesday and then one on Friday against the Denver Nuggets, the top seed in the West. That's right, the top seed in the West, the Denver Nuggets. I like Denver. I knew they were going to be in a playoff hunt. I said that they were going to be in the eighth spot, maybe seventh spot, depending if they stayed healthy. And uh, we got back-to-back games, and that's going to be a good test to where we're going to to rank ourselves. I mean, it'll be a confidence booster if we can go out and split those games or take them both, one's home, one's away, and we'll see where where we stack up against the best in the West, which are Oklahoma City, Golden State, and Denver right now. <laughs> so, you know, it'll be a good test. Following them, oh my goodness, let's extend the schedule, this outlook, if you will. Denver on the 26th, Denver on the 28th, then back-to-back, we have, uh, off that second Denver game, we have the Clippers. And the Clippers are good. We Last time we played the Clippers, I don't think they had Lou Williams that night. And that was, is big. That's 20 points. You know, then we have Boston on December 31st, right? New Year's Eve. We have Boston. That'll be a good game. And then we have the Toronto Raptors in San Antonio. Danny Green will definitely come. He'll get a standing ovation. Oh, my gosh. It's almost here. The day that Kawhi Leonard comes back into the AT&T Center. Oh, my God. Does he suit up? I don't know. I don't know. Then we have Memphis. Oh, Memphis is, is no joke right now. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row where we're going up against really tough teams. You know, um, actually, guys, the, the schedule looks really tough. And after Memphis, we have Detroit, and then Memphis again, and then back-to-back games against OKC. Oof. And then we, and then after that, we play the Hornets at home. That's the reunion of Tony Parker. So like, we're we're gonna have this first half of January are gonna be test after test after test on what the Spurs can do against good teams. It's it's realistic that we're not gonna win all those games, right? Duh. Um, but how many games are we going to drop? How are we going to lose those games? Are, are they going to be by big differentials, small differentials? How many points are we going to give up? Who's going to step up? And how many games are we going to win? Things like that are going to matter when it comes to our outlook come February and, and, and March. I mean, those are that's crunch time, February and March. You know, we're going to get in the playoffs or not. We can't be dropping games. Um, we're almost at the midway point um, to this season. So it's exciting. We're hanging in there. Um but we'll be all right. We'll be all right, uh, Spurs fans. So I hope you enjoyed this Christmas Day um, episode of a Bucking Spurs podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram, right? Uh, share the love. Uh, I need more followers and subscribers. I can never get enough. And uh, Spurs Nation, I love you guys. Countdown City, what is up? Go, Spurs, go. Right. Yeah.